Welcome to episode 12 of I Wash a Baseball Podcast, a podcast still without a logo. I've been swearing I'm going to get to it. Our logo is pretty silly right now. I'm Jacob Vernick. I'm Ronick Nair. We have a logo. It's just a, a Spotify stock logo. So it looks kind of like a like a, a modernized Jackson Pollock painting of some kind. Um, yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't write on it like that though. No, he wouldn't write I wash a baseball podcast on the front. So the sooner the sooner we <laughs> can get Pollock that. It's a Pollock meets a Warhol. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, an eyesore, nonetheless. But yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll so on one it. one day we're gonna have a logo, and everybody's gonna be like, "Wow, this podcast should be taken seriously." But until that day, we will rock with what Spotify has given Today us. Today is not that day. Today, Today is not, not that day. No. Tomorrow might be that day because there's nothing nothing saying there won't be until the day has passed. One thing we wanted to talk about: the thing that I, I think, as a Yankees fan, has been catching your eye the most recently, and as a baseball Twitter follower, has been uh, kind of all over the place, has been the absolute tear. Giancarlo Stanton has been on as a Yankee fan. What has it been like to watch? It's been great. Uh, it's it's propped up a lot of the the offense problems. I think that the team had for the first month or so of the season. They're starting to hit collectively uh, a little bit better. But I think the thing that kind of really is carrying them is is just Stanton because. Judge has kind of gone into a little bit of a slide. LeMay, who's not hitting that that great, especially lately. It's re- really like the only two hitters who are hitting on the team are Stanton and uh, Gio Urshela. But Stanton is hitting in such a magnificent way and and winning these games kind of like single-handedly sometime with his home runs and all of his hits that um, I think it might be kind of masking up some of the problems. But for the moment, I'm happy to see it. Yeah. Over the last 14 days, Stanton has a 481, 509 this is not a typo. 904 slugging percentage with a two, he averages a base every time he comes up to the plate with a 297 WRC plus. Incredible. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 just in the same kind of fashion that it is like every, every time he hits the ball he's hitting it hard. His average exit velo is something like 98 miles an hour when the league average is like 89 miles an hour. So like he is hitting every single ball that he touches uh, like super, super hard. And no matter where it's going, whether it's a ground ball or it's a, you know, a, f- a 500 foot home run, it's it's spectacular to watch. And I think we talked about it um, a, a, a bit recently, just like the, the nature in which he accrues his value as a player is very streaky and not yeah. very consistent. And this came off the heels of like the first four weeks of the season where he looked just totally lost at the plate. And that's not an uncommon thing um, to see with him. It, it's just just uh, week-long stretches where he can't put the put the bat on the ball at all. And now it comes to the point where whenever he comes up, people are just wondering, like, okay, what? where's he going to hit the ball? He's going to hit it hard. He's going to hit it 150 miles an hour, but where's it going to go? So it's it's kind of incredible when he's locked in. It's it's There is not there are not many hitters more fun to watch than him, for sure. And there, I, I think Lindsey Adler pointed to it recently but like his his home runs are not the ball flight you typically see in a home run they are screaming line drives that just stay at the same height rather than a beautiful long fly ball right like they are scary they are yeah and i think a lot of the the general perception of 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 hitters approaches now is kind of hinged on these kind of launch angle buzzword type things where you you get your swing plane up on an upward trajectory stan is not doing that and he is 
he's still kind of chopping at it in that kind of line drive fashion that a lot of old school hitters would do. But the thing is, he's, he just hits the ball so much harder than everybody else that his line drives are home runs. And yeah, it, it is kind of spectacular that, that I think he is one of the only players who kind of has that has that kind of approach. Like there are players who hit the ball really hard and really far, yep. but I don't think they there are any players that kind of hit it quite like him. So he is very unique in that way. I mean, going back to a, a thing we were talking about earlier, right, which was the diversity, uh, not earlier, but in a po- previous podcast about like the diversity of players is kind of what we're looking for. And even though he is in the same vein as ever, like he is very much a product of his time. Very, there are a whole lot of players with a lot of swing and miss and a lot of home runs, but he still right kind of makes a logo in his own way. I can't think of another player who really does this except maybe Shohei Otani just because, which, you know, may or may not only be because he's also a pitcher, but like Stan makes home run hitting a diverse thing. He makes it different than anybody else. Yes. Um, I would agree with that. I, I think a lot of people kind of lament the three true outcomes, um, format for being predictable repetitive but you know you you can't help but just admire some of some of stanton's home runs they they're all highlights for a reason like um he's either hitting like absolute lasers that don't get very far off the ground and just you know graze the wall but are are flat the whole time or he's hitting just you know that home run that he hit um in in the postseason last year against tyler glass now just like you don't see people hit home runs like that so is there another way you could hit a home run that would be different than anybody else? Is there another way that you could hit a home run that could be... I mean... Like, would we care, I guess? Like, if there was a guy who, like, consistently had, like, these 45-degree launch, ang- 45 launch angle, just towering high home runs, would we care? Or is this, like, the genre of home run? Has he figured out the only way to kind of make it consistently different and exciting? I think I think probably yes because uh, there is nothing really people don't admire home runs that are hit really high in that kind no, of way. Yeah, I no, would not say. at all. It's just like sometimes it's like oh, it's a high home run, but like when you're watching it on TV, you want to see a bomb. Yeah, you, you don't you don't see how high it goes, right? Because they don't keep up with the ball the whole time anyway. Right? It's not golf. Uh, no, it's not. And I think just you know if you Stan is just this kind of stat cast darling kind of hitter right he's always in the like right now he's in the 100 percentile and average exit velocity max exit velocity and hard hit rate yep so like that's just the kind of player he is he's a very dynamic uh exciting player i think if someone had kind of a and another thing is like hitting high home runs is not a it doesn't seem like a repeatable skill yeah whereas hitting absolute lasers does right so just it just feels like something that he is capable of doing very consistently whenever he touches the ball it's going to get hit really hard so um i mean there's no way to know this but because the stat cast error is so new but like he has to be one of the the like hardest hitters of the baseball ever right i mean i mean it's hard to imagine that in a era especially where it either you know velocity is at its peak right now right and i'll always you know coaches always said the harder he throws the farther it goes i don't know if that's ever i assume that's been quantified i assume that's just physics but uh, pitchers are throwing harder. Batters are the craziest athletes they've ever been. The math says baseballs have never been hit harder than they are being hit right now. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know the, you know, Babe Ruth's exit velocities or anything like that. Uh, maybe 
it trumps all of this and we'll just never know maybe Babe i find Ruth it is, very hard to believe i find it hard to believe too it's like one of those things where they talk about how walter johnson threw like 110 miles an hour um like i don't know sure sure he did you you nah, weren't there like 88 yeah <laughs> i mean this is what what everyone swears by but there's no way to measure it so i don't know um, there was a if i remember correctly from the documentary fastball they did measure walter johnson by like very loose physics and it was around like 88 to 92 yeah that makes a lot of sense and i'm sure like back they in that put day, him 60 feet away they had a thing here they had a some guy holding a stopwatch and then went from there i remember they did some kind of experiment with um with like bob feller was it the horse no i don't remember i i i yeah, I probably should have researched this more before making this claim. But I just remember somehow, some roundabout way, like similar to the Walter Johnson thing that you mentioned, they had kind of deduced that that Bob Feller probably threw like 98 miles an hour. So, yeah, and and that was the hardest that anyone had ever thrown back then. Yeah, I mean, sure. And he also just probably, I'm a, you know, he was a pitcher in the 50s or whatever. So I'm imagining he pitched like 300 innings a year or something at the same time. So sure, it was probably very impressive. All right. Yeah, I mean. What the hell, John Carlos Stanton, I guess, is the way to sum all that up. I mean, yeah, we got to enjoy it while it lasts because, you know, you never know. He's just, he's just going to, I don't know, get hurt, go into another slump. It's these these are he's not consistently like this. And that's been in 2017. He was. Was he? Well, 2017 was was his his year. I mean, OK, you, you say that, but he had he was Definitely good the whole year, but he was otherworldly the second half. If yeah, if okay, fair enough. Yeah, so I mean, like streaky, but the streaks maybe lasted longer. I think so. Yeah, I mean, the second half, like he was hitting home runs at such a rate, and then I think he got like injured in towards the end of the year, where people were talking about could he hit sixty five, seventy, and obviously he finished with the uh, fifty nine. So um, it wasn't it wasn't uh, too far away. I, it was one of the closer encounters of uh you know 60 home runs that we've seen in a long time and that's another thing I'll, a lot of like talk of home runs increasing over the years um those high home run totals haven't really shown up in that way we haven't seen a lot of 50 pluses or, or even any 60s um in, in even though the home run rate is increasing yeah i i will never fully understand why that is i feel like it's maybe that when a, a hitter runs it's easier to run into one well, my, my understanding of it was that, like, the ball getting juiced doesn't affect a guy like John Carlos Stan because he's not – if the ball being juiced, juiced um, makes it travel, like, what, five or six feet more, his home runs clear stadiums by – They were already right? getting out of here. They're out, right. So he's hitting 59 like any year, right? But you'd think that he's still hitting a, a 10 other balls that only got to the warning track. Probably. You know, he missed him, but he hit 10 to the warning track, and then you get those extra five feet that we think the ball is adding, and then he hits 50, 64 home runs that year, 62. So, you know, like, I, I'm not sure that that logic necessarily tracks to me. I think it's just harder to hit a home run, period, uh, but easier to hit a home run. Okay, what am I trying to say? I think that it is still difficult to hit a home run, but it's easier to run into one. I think, but generally what we've seen is that the Stantons and the judges are kind of, well, I guess judge is not a, a good example of this because he's so new, but like the, the those kind of elite home run hitters, their their numbers are staying the same. And instead, like Didi Gregorius is hitting 20 a year. And, Tommy Lestella is always the example. Right, yeah. And, you know, Christian Yelich is getting up to 45 or whatever he had that one year when his whole career he was not a power hitter or even as a prospect. So, 
Um, I think it's just a, a kind of a, it's helping some hitters more than others, but it's, it's really tough to say. Like you said, I mean, it doesn't, I don't know which way to go with the logic. Honestly, I wish we had uh, some more quantifiable data. Yeah, me too. Looking back at it, uh, Stanton had 12 home runs in July of 2017 and 18 home runs in August of 2017. That's amazing. 18 home runs in 109 at-bats. That is almost in 29 games, so two every three games. That's that is, unbelievable. Uh, That's unbelievable. I don't know if he's quite on that run right now, but uh, if he could, I mean, I don't think you'd be complaining if he had 18 home runs this month. I sure would not. I sure would not. Yeah. And then uh, speaking of one of the best home run hitters of all time, uh, the unceremonious departure of Albert Pujols from the Los Angeles Angels. How did that make you feel when the news broke? I I felt I felt a little, you know, it's uneasy. It's really uneasy overall because uh, you could argue a, a lot of different things here, and the main one is that he hasn't been a even average major league player in like five years. So there's there's no real sporting merit for him to be an everyday player on a team with uh, you know some ambitions. They're not exactly performing very well or very well constructed at the moment, but the Angels are trying to win. And they have that sp- a player who could very well benefit from using that spot, I think is important right, as well. Right, Jared Walsh has been really good at the plate, much better than Albert Pujols. And um, on defense... He's way better too. And also that opens up kind of a, a DH spot for Shohei Otani every day, who's at this point just, you know, we can say one of the best hitters in baseball, right? So And he, the the DH. He needs to be in the lineup every needs, single day. Right. So so this is the way to this is in from a sporting sense, this makes all the sense in the world for the Angels to to do this. Um I guess what really made me uncomfortable about it was how it was handled. And I'm not sure if there was another way to handle it really, because um, it could have. I, I feel like it could have been done in the off season, and it might have been less uncomfortable. Like this year, you think? Yeah, this past off season. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, obviously, this is a new GM regime, really. For the sure. Angels. Yeah, you don't. I don't think you come in and make that splash right, with Perry Manassian. <laughs> so I, this is the third GM of the Albert Pujols era in the Angels. It was Jerry Depoto, Billy Epler, and now Perry Manassian. So I think. Now this regime is a little bit removed from the the sentimentality of of, of having to have Pujols around. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, at the I, same he's time, he's still Albert Pujols. He's Albert Pujols, and at the same time, like their owner Arden Moreno is is really involved in these kind of things. Yep. Even that, as recently as a few years ago, when he when he um, kind of made the executive decision to to go after Anthony Rendon when the team needed pitching, you know, like <laughs> that he's he's involved. He's one of these very involved owners and it's what's made the Angels kind of a really difficult job for a lot of, you know, GMs over the yep. years because they don't have as much of a say as I think most GMs would like. And I think yeah, you could have done it in the offseason, but the thing about Pujols is that he is very convinced that he could be an everyday contributor and I just don't really know where he gets that notion based on his own play yeah, I don't know if ability. it's necessarily logic. I don't know if that's always the driving factor in an athlete's decision making if you you know like I I I think you when you're the one of the greatest players of all time it may be hard for you to accept that you are no longer who you used to be and that even though you still aren't performing up to a team standards that you believe in your heart 
you can despite nothing proving that you can. Yeah, I I think um there was a really good article by Ken Ken Rosenthal in the Athletic about um how this was handled and um I, you know there's a lot of players who are kind of expressing former players who are expressing some kind of discontent by the way this was handled. I think most prominently, you know, Pedro Martinez tweeted about how he thought it was like a disgraceful thing to do. That can be argued, you know, like if you go to Albert Pujols and tell him we don't think you are good enough to be the starting first baseman. Yep. You will be on the bench. And he says, no, what do you do? You mutually agree to part ways. It doesn't seem like that's what happened. It, it really? seems, I think there might. Uh, okay. How mutual is it if it's just a, if it's a DFA? You know, I, I, I think he would probably like to. He's going to collect the money either way. Yeah. I mean, like you're not tr- you're one you're not trading that contract. He's no. not retiring. Absolutely. What is not. the other option? He he gets released. That that's this is what I'm trying to say. I don't understand I, how a DFA is different than a release. I thought he would have to go through a, design, a he, DFA he does. process. He, he does. He does. So so I I think just just that lack of self awareness really from Pujols, sure. like kind of kind of that what we saw like in in the Rosenthal article, he mentions uh, what happened with A Rod in 2016, and you know it was similar. Like A Rod was not good. He was a shell of himself. He retired midway through the 2016 season. The Yankees kind of coordinated this whole thing where they like told everybody that that his last game would be uh, in five days. And they kind of had this on the spot retirement tour. And, you know, even at the time, that was kind of said to be this kind of unceremonious thing because just a couple of years ago, Derek Jeter had retired, obviously, in this really um, pomp and circumstance kind of way where he got, you know, lauded by every single team. that, that And so did Mo. Yeah, and Rivera. And I guess, you know, A-Rod is not the kind of... He doesn't unite people. Right. There's a lot that can be said about A-Rod. But he is, you know, one of the great players ever as well. And the Yankees gave him uh, somewhat of a a, a more graceful exit than Pujols. But I think that that's kind of relied on this... A-Rod kind of realizing that he's just not, not good enough anymore. And Pujols is definitely not good enough anymore. We need to get that out of the way. He's not a good player. He can't hit... He can't run. Doesn't make it feel better for you to say it, though. I mean, it's... I, I'm Even not, I, I don't... don't if, like, I can't imagine being Albert Pujols. Even I don't like hearing you say that he's not good anymore. I, I don't like to hear it, and I'm sure he he doesn't like to... I mean, he's not delusional. I'm sure he's understanding that, that, like, he's not performing at a good level. And... Yeah. I think he knows that what his batting average is isn't a batting average that plays on a team trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, but, I mean, there were years where he had... Let's he where he let's say 2017 he had a negative 2.0 WAR, but Ugh. he had a but he had 101 RBIs and 23 home runs. That's a good year. Do you, yeah right? Do you think he thinks that's a good year? I'm sure yeah, he does. I bet he does. I'm sure he thought you know 2017 I was excellent. Yep. Real really everything that you're telling that that's that's that uh, would have won the MVP in 1974. <laughs> I mean, but but he had a 241 batting average, a 286. Yeah. On base percentage and Oof. a 386 slugging percentage. He was a pitiful hitter. Yeah. And he obviously offers nothing on the field. So he was a terrible player. He was one of the worst players in baseball that year, but just the way these traditional stats go. And I'm sure he grew up in an era where he was putting up those county stats and he was also excellent. Right. Exactly. The, the combination helped. So he, I'm sure he thought that, you know, I'm putting up these RBIs and putting up these home runs. My batting average is high. 
I'm doing good. What he didn't realize is that he also at that time had elite plate discipline and elite bat to ball skills, both of which he doesn't have anymore. You know, I mean, like, and he could physically move his body. Look, I mean, look at 2000 and like, let's just take a year. 2008, Albert Pujols, for example, he walked 16% of the time and struck out 8% of the time he came up. And he had a four. Do 10 years later. <sighs> Let's not, you know, yeah, I, don't, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't really want to. Uh, it's just, it's a sad, it's a sad, it's a sad day, I would say. I, I think because um, he has every intention of playing. And there's a funny line in this Rosenthal article where, where Perry Manazian basically says, I wouldn't bet against him. And then Rosenthal remarks that like, he just did. Like, yep. he, he just did bet against him. He, he DFA'd Albert Pujols, you know? And obviously like, this is something that I think, Going back to that year where he was really terrible in 2017, there have been people kind of floating this idea. Maybe you just get out from under the Pujols contract and, and cut him. Like, yep. free up a roster spot. And it was, everybody kept talking about it more and more when they got Shohei Otani and Albert Pujols was taking up DH at-bats. Like, Pujols has not been a good player. The Angels, let me tell you something, man. They're not a good team. Nope. Even right now, they're not a good team. And they, they are wasting Mike Trout. Once again, Mike Trout had the best month of his life, and the Angels are uh, four or five games under 500. This is this is kind of dire straits for this this organization because I, I'm sure, like, you know, they've gone through two GMs already. And at this point, what it does is it clears a roster spot, which is not valuable. But it, next year, when it clears 21 million dollars, which you know, even if they'd held on to him, you know, it's a sunk cost, right? Like at the end of the day, that they probably. I mean, at the time, you didn't know that this was going to be what happened, but this is what happened. And maybe next year they have they free up twenty one million in cap, and to what twenty one million bought you ten mil- ten years ago is not what twenty one million buys you today. Yeah. But maybe they put that towards some uh, some pitching. I mean, like twenty one million dollars ten years ago bought can, Albert Pujols. Can you believe that? Who would get twenty one million dollars now? I mean, Albert Pujols was without a doubt the best player in free agency that year. Let I mean, like if not the best player in baseball, who and now twenty one million dollars would get you a like a two year deal of Mike Moustakis? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I mean, I'm sure. I think Patrick Corbin makes more than twenty one million dollars a year. Yeah, you know? exactly. Zach Wheeler makes more more than that. I mean, like, and Albert Pujols was making twenty one million. I mean, ugh, if he was a little young, I, and I was about to say if he was a little younger, but he might even be older than he, he, we think he is. <laughs> <laughs> he is have he you is. seen those articles i have seen them i i, I don't want to engage with them. albert Pujols is actually 45 years old i mean from what we know he's he's 41 which is still very 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 old for a baseball player so i wonder how many uh first basemen there have been in major league baseball history to play till they're 41 um i think if you're gonna do it that's a position I'll, yes I'll, fair. although you know he is still not not a great fielder at first base right now which is even rafael palmero retired when he was 40 so wow that's that crazy. guy felt he would be around forever yeah um period I mean, what i have to ask you a question like that's a good joke because because uh sorry i was thinking about my next point i was in terrible <laughs> um uh so so in the article it mentions that obviously um the cardinals offered pujols a deal for less money for the same amount of years so there's another reality where if the Angels don't swoop in with this crazy overpay, Paul Goldschmidt is still a Diamondback. I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. Where could the Cardinals get away with doing this? Oh, absolutely not. 
Right, because he this would be Pujols' twentieth year with the team. He would have had to. I mean, they would have. Ha- they would have said, "This is your retirement." I'm well. Okay, twenty years, I guess, is different. But like, even when it came to Felix, right? Like, what they didn't. I don't know if they explicitly said this is his last year, as much as it was the last year of his contract, and he was bad. But like, he yeah. had a great going out tour right like in 2019 like pointing to the king's court that last start was absolutely amazing and i think anthony castrovince i don't know how to say his name sorry buddy uh had a tweet that that's you know he was talking about how david wright he got to manufacture this retirement right like he got to go out on his terms and how pujols just shows that there are so many amazing players who don't get to go out on their own terms, or if they maybe these are Pujols' terms, like I'm going to be an everyday first baseman, or I'm not going to play at all, which sounds hard to believe. Um, but you know, maybe those were his, are his terms. And but either way, he's getting cut by a team in May, and it's not like he's getting cut by a very good team. Yes, in May. Right, and, and his prospects of getting picked up, I think, are really really low because if there was any team that would kind of sit on this contract it's the angels yep Artie moreno is an extremely irrational owner who is like really into these kind of players as collection pieces uh in a way so he has a good relationship with pools from what i understand and they would be if if, if Artie moreno was not okay with this he'd be on the team that's all yep. you need to know so if even he has reached his wits end this this kind of um meddling irrational owner type I don't see which of the teams in MLB, including the Rockies, now that Jeff Reddish has been fired, I don't see which team is not is like at this point not solved and optimized enough that that, that they would have to that they would actually take a chance on Alpha Pools. A lot of people have said the White Sox, maybe Tony La Russa. I think that's the only connection there and lose you know, they've lost some guys that the bench isn't deep, but like who need who needs a bad first baseman hitter on their bench? Yeah, well, the the, the one thing that you, that you could say is that at this point they would be whoever picks him up would be paying him the league minimum. They wouldn't be paying. Yeah, him. and I also think it it and it if he does get picked up, it will answer a bit of a question, which is how much does your performance ten years ago? How much does a Hall of Fame performance career buy you? Right how how can you play until you want to stop if you're a hall of famer or will the game at some point tell you it's over this is i mean this is what has happened the game right now i think is told our pujols it is over well no he has we haven't gone through a a long enough period to see i mean if i'm not mistaken if somebody claims him right now off waivers they'll have to pay him his salary so i don't think that's gonna happen that's not gonna happen so he'll become a free agent he'll become an unrestricted free agent and be able to sign anywhere he wants and you know, I, I th- then we'll see. Well, what 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 does this really mean? Is he? Uh, yeah. I will say if he goes into a negotiation room with any of the other twenty nine teams that didn't sign him, and says, "I want to be an everyday first baseman for your team," whether it's the Rockies, the Orioles, yeah, that's fair. They they laugh him out the room. There's no chance that the, that any of these teams. Yeah, play I think that's very very fair at first base. Every single day. And I Would Albert Pujols rather be a triple-A a first baseman playing every day? There's no world, right? No, no. I mean, if he doesn't even want to be a major league bench player, why would he be a triple-A player? I think it's just, at this point, it, it there's part of this pride thing. I, I don't think that he would 
he would go to the minor leagues at all. No, I think it's fair, and it it I, it made me go to Fangraphs and look up uh, team WAR by first base performance. Um, the worst team by first base performance, and it leads perfectly into the next thing I wanted to talk about: the Detroit Tigers, negative one point six WAR from the first base spot, a forty WRC plus. Don't get me wrong, Cleveland has a twenty nine WRC plus out of the first base spot. Albert Pujols is higher than both of those numbers. Um, but I did want to talk about Miguel Cabrera. He, he kind of it, if you he kind of took over for Pujols, right? Like Pujols kind of started faltering a little bit in Anaheim, and Miguel Cabrera became you know the two-time back-to-back MVP winner, the Triple Crown winner, and now he's in this same spot of how long does being good at baseball buy you, right? I mean, he's hitting 098 right now. He is. Six for 61 this year with two home runs. He's 11 home runs away from 500, which sounds impressive until you realize that over the last four years, he's hit 27 combined home runs. How much longer does Miguel Cabrera have? Does it ma- Is it different because they're worse? Yes, I think it is okay. different. But you have to say, I mean, we'll bring up what happened with, with Felix. Felix was on a bad team, a, t- a team that he has been on his entire career. Exactly, and they he, didn't bother to extend him. Th- not only that, they moved moved him to the bullpen. Yeah, in, in this kind of very embarrassing kind of kind of fashion, they just they moved into the bullpen, and and I think that's kind of what began the, that the fraying of that relationship that led them to not bring him back in any way. And I know they had that that kind of retirement tour, but there were always there was always kind of reporting that he was just. He's very determined to be an MLB starter, similar to the way Albert Pujols is very similar to be an everyday first baseman. Exactly. Um, I think it's an it's a remarkably similar situation. Miguel Cabrera, I believe, is three years younger right now. Yeah. They've been in the majors for about the same amount of time. I believe they're two of the longest lasting members of MVP Baseball 2005. Damn right. Um, it, we are we are really running up against no players being in there, and uh, you know, I, I find this absolutely unbelievable that. In his last four years, Miguel Cabrera has 64 extra base hits. Yeah. 7% of his at-bats end in an extra base hit. That's a double, a triple, or a home run. He has so many singles. And I I, I think he's lucky to be on such a bad team at this point. I think he is too. And, uh, you know, a lot of what you have, what uh, people have said about the way Miguel Cabrera is kind of approaching his, his, uh, his, uh, you know, basically his approach at the plate is that he is kind of maybe relying on batting average too much because for the similar reasons as Pujols, I'm sure Pujols looked at that, that 20 home run, 100 RBI a year and said, damn, I had a good year. Um, similarly, you know, maybe, maybe Miguel Cabrera sees that he batted 282 in 2019 and thought maybe that's not too bad a year. But then when you look and see that he had, didn't even have a 400 slugging percentage and had a negative 0.4 war, that's a different story. It's like not as good a year. And now, I mean, like this year, he's striking out 32% of the time. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's just like, like absolutely. Maybe just, he's just done. Yeah, maybe he's just done, which is another sad thing to say about one of the great hitters um, I've ever seen. But yeah, I do think that the that the Tigers are helped by the fact that they're, they're really bad. They have him until 2023 with two options for 24 and 25 i can't are those team options there is absolutely no way those are player options 
Let's see. They I'm have gonna, to be team options. Let's look it up. I can't believe they have two more years of him. And I wonder if seeing that the Angels are willing to accept the sunk cost of Pujols will make them more willing to accept the sunk cost of Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think just in my head, Miguel Cabrera doesn't have as much of the status that Albert Pujols has. Like, I always felt like the Albert Pujols one was really, really tricky because he's such a great. Like, he's so, so... And obviously, Miguel Cabrera is is great, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see Yeah, I it. wonder what the difference is there. They, the, I, I agree with you, but I, I can't articulate why. I mean, is it as simple as Pujols has some World Series to his name? I don't know. Um, it could be. It could be that. It, it's saying here that the 2024 and 2025 options for Miguel Cabrera are mutual options. Which means team options at the end of the day. Yes, which is good. Um, yeah, agreed. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it does make me wonder if if they will be more willing to to pull that that if they're more willing to pull that out from under him, if they're more willing to take this on cost um, because of that. And and I guess all this to say, uh, Nelson Cruz is just ridiculous. I know. I mean, that's the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like that you can be productive at age forty one, but right. these guys aren't. Yeah, like if if Nelson Cruz can be an elite MLB hitter, why can't Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, the two of the best hitters I've ever seen, do it as well? I would love to find somebody who can in in some way articulate an answer to that question. Yeah, I don't know because I mean, when I saw those guys, those two play, like. Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols aren't particularly athletic players. They just seem to me to have freakish hitting talent. Like, I am wondering if if uh, Nelson Cruz didn't become a full-time major league player. He didn't play more than 125 games until he was 31 years old. That's right, yeah. And both of the Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols came up very young. So it makes me wonder if it is like a uh, a... a in the NBA, they always say it's not about the number of games you've played over your career. It's about the number of minutes you've played over your career. And I wonder if that's what it comes down to in baseball, right? Like you have a, a finite amount of minutes where you can be productive. And Nelson Cruz's just happen to be later in his life than they, they are. And Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols used theirs up a little bit earlier. I mean, how many baseball players were consistently productive for 20 years? I mean, like maybe uh, uh, there, there aren't many, especially in the last... 40 years i'd say you know maybe maybe back in the in the 20s there were players who could play for 100 years and, and never never falter but like it, it it isn't a little it it doesn't align that there is someone who can be so good in his age 40 season hitting 300 354 580 uh in his age 40 season and then there's also albert Pujols and miguel cabrera who are the best player two of the best hitters of all time and they are hitting you know, a combined, what, 150? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so confounding. I guess it's just, I'm not going to look at it in the way that like, why aren't those two doing it? It's really just going to make me appreciate Nelson Cruz more because I don't, I mean, he is totally alone in that sense. There, there are no players really who have had, that I can think of that have had this career trajectory. It is so, so remarkable being like a a borderline non-major leaguer for the first, I don't know, five six years of his career coming up at age 30 and becoming like a gray hitter and basically never stopping and getting better as he got older so i don't know all right you want to move on i think uh i think now's a good time to to move on we had a little a little game planned uh mark feinsand wrote an article 
mm-hmm. recently about uh, correct me if I'm wrong about surprises from the first month in baseball, among other things. Uh, yeah, just basically kind of a state of the league. Just it's it's uh, four or five general questions, and he asked a bunch of MLB executives from various teams in front offices. And uh, I'm going to see if you can guess some of the top answers. Yeah, I'm excited to give it a try. I'm curious how my brain aligns with the, the top minds in baseball. Maybe if I do well, I can prove that I belong in there too. Yeah, let's give it a shot. There are, there are a couple strange ones. I'd say the consensus answers, like the ones that get the most votes, they're, they're usually pretty straight, but we'll, we'll see. Okay, the first okay. question, um, which player or team has been the biggest surprise? Hmm, which player or team has been the biggest surprise? I'll talk through what I'm thinking. Like, there are players who are like Omar Narvaez, and then there's players like Cedric Mullins, who have been like surprises, but not in a way that I care about surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that those would be up there. In my mind right now, to be honest, the biggest surprise is the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are on here. They got one vote. All right, whoever that is, hire me. Yes, uh, it's probably Kanye. and Kansas City and Kansas City. Kansas City has two votes; they're in third place. Um, but the two the two that garnered the most answers, number yeah. one with nine votes out of the twenty five, was the San Francisco Giants. I don't think that's more surprising than the Red Sox or the the Royals, but okay. Well, they're in a division with the two best teams in baseball, and they're in first place. Have they played the two best teams in baseball? No. But, I mean, have the Red Sox played the Yankees or, you know. Yeah, fair. Rays. Okay, okay. That's fair. You know what? Good for the Giants. They, they deserve they deserve it. Right. So My so East I, Coast bias is absolutely showing. You see some, I mean, some of the comments here that, that he asked some of the some of the execs, he said, I doubt you can find too many people who had them leading the NL West right now. That's true. I mean, true. how many people had the Royals leading the, the AL Central, just as a reminder? They don't. I mean, the, the Royals are here. I mean, yeah, you, okay. could, you could argue that division sucks, and it yeah, does. Yeah, fair enough. It and does the Royals aren't suck. leading the AL Central. They're so. not. They're in third yeah. place right now. So, um, no. And, and then another one said they have outstanding roster management, and their pitching staff is solid, and they have the money to spend at the deadline to supplement the roster. Their payroll is underneath where it was when they were winning the World Series titles. They're for real. So, I mean... I'm sorry, what? That's what this person said. They said that their payroll is underneath the World Series contending teams, uh, which is supposed to be a positive. I'm not sure. Uh, I think maybe... I mean, are we looking at a a Giants trading for Trevor Story at the deadline kind of thing? Uh, Wow. They would have to... They would have to pull an Albert Pujols and Brandon Crawford, but I'm not sure that would be... That would work very well. Has Brandon Crawford been good? I'm going to look that up right now. I mean, it's hard to believe that Brandon Crawford is ever a wow oh, is ever a bad defender. Um, Brandon Crawford the, is hitting. So Brandon, yeah, Brandon maybe Crawford not. is playing well. Wow. Who okay. are the Who are the free agents next year? Uh, every like, single shortstop. Every single besides every single shortstop. Um, man, I can't think of any. Let's Let's look. Yeah, we only know it's the year of the shortstop. Twenty one, twenty two MLB free agent power rankings. Zach Granke. Yeah, but I see the Astros being in it. So do I. Oh, okay. Okay. The Giant. Here's my prediction. Ready? Trade deadline. The Giants are going to trade for Chris Bryant. Oh, I love that. Doesn't that track? I really love that. I would love that. I'm willing it into the universe a little bit right now. I think that would be so. He would be so perfect on that team. He would work really well. I think he. He. um, I'm just. I'm really happy to see him playing really well. Um, Me too. He's been absolutely slugging right now. Yeah, that would be cool. But yeah, so a lot of a lot of MLB executives. So I said the Red Sox and the Royals. What's number two? 
your mean Mercedes. Wow, people, <laughs> there were three teams and one player? Well, there's a lot of answers, so I'll run through them all. So nine okay. people said the Giants, seven people said your mean Mercedes, two people said the Royals, one said, and then the next, all these get one vote from that okay. here on. J.D. Martinez, yep. Byron Buxton, Tyler Naquin, Cedric Mullins, the Red Sox, Carlos Radon, the Seattle Mariners, which is, uh, I don't know, that's a bit of a take, uh, and <laughs> Shohei Otani. Yeah, I was thinking Shohei Otani too, but I didn't think it was enough of a surprise. So, okay, so that, that I would say I'm going to remove my myself from saying that I was correct on the Red Sox and, and mostly just saying that I was correct on the Royals uh, because they got two votes because it doesn't seem like one vote means much. No, it doesn't. I, I'm interested in the fact that so many people said the Giants. So I think a lot of people... That, that that does feel like it tells me something. Yeah, I, I mean, the, and the thing some of the GM said about their roster construction, and we know who's at the helm, Farhan Zaidi. I, people trust him. Yep. I, I think that's something to keep an eye on, um, for sure. It's something, it's something to keep an eye on going forward. I'm not going to say that they're going to make the playoffs. They're As somebody make- interested in the NL East, I am looking for another wild card spot, so anything that doesn't come out of the NL West would be much appreciated. Well, <laughs> they appear to have... Um, pretty much all the best records in the NL besides the Cardinals, so uh, it's not great for you. But I mean, we'll to be see. fair, to be fair, like the worst record in major in the NL is like four games worse than the best record. That's in the true. NL right everybody, now. everybody, and that is across in, the NL. yes, the NL is uh, as as very I remember silly. it. Yeah, it's very silly. Um, all right, we're gonna go to question two. Which player or team has been the biggest disappointment? Hmm. Which player or team has been the biggest disappointment? That's a great question. I want. Can you tell me? Do they tend to lean player or team? It is an even dispersion. It is an. Even I think dispersion. the Twins are up there. Yeah, the Twins are in second place with five votes. Are the Yankees up there? Yankees are not here. What does that mean? Well, I. I, I mean, this was asked at the end of the month. As of now, the Yankees are. You know, sixteen. They were 15. getting hot, I guess. Okay. Yeah, like uh, Francisco Lindor. Yes, it's Francisco Lindor. He's at the top. I did it. Let's yeah. go. So, so Lindor, um, yeah, finally got a hit the other day. He has nine votes in this. In this, um, you know, someone was asked uh, about their answer here, and one AL exec said, "Quote: Is there another answer?" And you know what? I mean, oh that's my. fair. Yeah, he's batting one eighty nine, two ninety nine, two forty three with one home run. So. It's a bit tough. I mean, it is only a month. I don't. I don't want to make a lot. It of is that. the NL East, which has a lot of good pitchers compared to who he was facing in Detroit and Kansas City. And I'm also trying to look up very fast the park factor because off the top of my head, City Field is an incredible pitchers park. Um, let's stack has park factors. Here we go. Okay, City Field is number twenty three. Cleveland is number 13. So not crazy in how much more hitter-friendly Cleveland is than the Mets, but uh, one's in the top 50% and one's in the bottom third. So yeah, yep. Um, It definitely makes you wonder. It does. Uh, I I would say, you know, you could, if you want to get really conspiratorial, kind of view this as an extension of his started down 2020, but you know, the optimist in me would say that this is just a month and that was just a 60-game season. He's still, there's no real reason to believe that he's anything other than a great hitter. So we'll see. We'll see. Unless but nonetheless, 
a disappointing April. A disappointing and, uh, April. Me yeah. and the executives agree about they that. They do agree. But and number two, as I said, was the Minnesota Twins at five. Um, I got one and two. And, and also, I, I think it's it's worth saying that Francisco Lindor is tied for the major league lead in outs above average as a shortstop. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so, like, not contributing at the plate, still doing what he's always done defensively. Oh, yeah. I, I have no doubt that he'll be good. I mean, the thing is— But he needs that bat to become the face in New York. Right. He's unfortunately got $341 million saddled oh, to him. That, God, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. So, um, a burden. about the Twins, one NL exec said, I thought they would battle with the White Sox for the division. They still might, but they've dug a hole that is going to take some really good baseball to get out of. And that's true. We said that about—how many years ago was it we said that about the Dodgers and then they did— yeah, well, I mean, that's the Dodgers, you know, and they were in a division that I think, you know, charitably you can dev- you could say is not the best. And I think you could charitably say that about the AL Central as well. Well, people feel strongly about the White Sox, and I think the White Sox are probably a better team than the Dodgers ever really had to contend with in those those years before the Padres really hit. And I think the Twins, frankly, are not as good as the Dodgers. They're eight games below 500. Well, yeah, I don't think that. Um, but, but, with a negative two runner of Herendrell. I mean, like yeah. their their Pythagor their Pythagoras is fifteen and fifteen, so that's true. Yeah, playing a little I mean, bit below. That's that's fair enough, and I think for a team this good to be that bad, that's kind of just going to have to be the case. All right. So Agreed. some of the other answers here. Yeah, I was about um, to ask. The with two votes, the Atlanta Braves with two votes, two separate people said Keston Hero, which is interesting. Um, because who cares? I mean, he is batting. He's in the minor leagues. Yeah, he's 167, 268, 292 with one home run. And then one AL executive said, quote, I'm sorry, Brewers fans, I'm sorry. That was rude. I know you care about how he's doing. Uh, An AL exec said, I'm not sure what's happening as a hitter there. So, um, yeah, that's that's not looking good. And then as we go down the list a little bit more, we have the Chicago Cubs, the LA Angels, and then you'll like this, the NL East as a whole got one Yeah, that's a good answer. And... Uh, my favorite answer. One person said major league hitters, which is that is also how a I good feel. answer. That's we discussed that at length, though. We don't need to dive in there, but a great answer. Yes, Somebody thinking I, on their feet. And I'm sure this is the executive said it. He said you could name numerous players, but considering how tough hitting has been for most of the league, it's tough to single any one guy out. And that's how I feel. It's just it feels like uh, pitching is winning the war right now. The war of it, that 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 uh, has been waged for for several years now. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Agreed. Um, okay. The next question aimed at me and my feelings a little bit. The Yankees will finish blank this season. And the uh, the choices are second place slash AL wildcard. Um, the second option is first place, 90 plus wins. And the third option is third place or lower. What do you think the prevailing answer was in terms of numbers? I think the prevailing answer is that the Yankees will finish in first place. No, the prevailing answer was that they would finish in second place or uh, in a wild card, card spot with 10 votes. First place got nine votes. And then three daring, brazen executives said they will finish in third place. I'm just doing some math. That doesn't add up. So uh, were, there, were there some people who declined to comment? There must have been. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, does it add up with other questions? Uh, it. Well, there's just been so many choices that I haven't really Yeah, exactly. It's not worth doing that math. Uh I find that interesting. I think those three are probably execs from Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. Um, <laughs> just to conspire, give a give, give some, some conspiracies. Um, okay, I mean, like ten versus nine. I'm gonna say I'm pretty comfortable with how I performed there. Uh, but it, interesting. I wonder is give me a quote. Is there somebody that uh they yes. they they think that is gonna win the division? 
the there's an NL exec who said they're an older team with guys who get injured often. The Rays and the Blue Jays are going to make it tough on them. And I How old are the Yankees? I find the I find that to be kind of weird as well. The Yankees are not that old of a team. Kluber's you know, old. Clu- I mean, okay, the starting pitching, the rotation is kind of old, really. But I, right, like exactly. Like I think it's fair to come after the Yankees for their starting pitching, but I don't, and maybe even their offense to this point. But I don't think it's fair or right to come after the Yankees right now for their age. And I think and he's, the, he's an the, NL exec. So the second the comment on this, where he talks about the Rays and the Jays, to me, it really just seems like the Red Sox are going to be the main, the main competition at this point. From what I can tell, like the it's Blue- May. I mean. The Red Sox. I mean, how are you going to not mention the Red Sox and mention? Yeah, the okay. At, at this point, you have to mention the team that's in first place. Yeah, and I, I think um, people were underestimating the Red Sox a little bit coming into this. Another rival exec said their two fifty nine BABIP is too low to be sustainable. Which music to my ears. I would love to see that rise. Although I'm sure it has in the time since that this was uh, this was taken because they've they've hit a little bit better. So, would also love to know the exec doing his research on before answering these questions. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe uh, Mark Feinstein kind of emails them, and maybe these execs do a little bit of homework. I'm not sure. Um, that's not. That's not. I mean, ter- if you were an exec and a journalist emailed you, I would. I would go seat of the pants, just whatever I'm thinking right at the time. Maybe, but what if you're uh, a nerd who works in a major league front office? You know, you're I have maybe- better things to do. Possibly, I'm sure these people have a good relationship with Mark Feinstein. So you know, you know. Let's find out, Mark. Get on the pod. <laughs> uh, all right. The next question. The Royals will finish blank this season. There are four choices. Third place with 81 to 84 wins. Fourth place with under 500 wins. Second place, AL wildcard with 85 to 88 wins. Or first place with 89 plus wins. What do you think the prevailing answer is there? I refuse to believe that people look at the Royals the same way they're looking at the Giants right now. And I'm going to say that they will finish under 500 in fourth place. Well, the most people actually said they would finish in third place with 81 to 84 wins. What it's too specific. I have such a larger range. Yeah, no. But you said under 500. That got four votes. It's the second answer. There are three people that think they'll get second place and an AL wildcard spot. And then there's two executives that said that they would finish in first place. I'm going to say that it's what what is the most interesting thing here is the variety of answers and the amount of answer. It, it's not just that, you know one person said each thing it's that multiple people said each thing which means we have no idea what to think about the royals right now yeah there's a lot of conflicting quotes as well we've got a couple people saying uh they'll be closer to 500 than people thought but a negative different run differential says more about them than their record which i you know think is probably true one yep. exec says that their pitching isn't quite good enough to hang with the other teams in the division all year long um there's an NL at this executive. point they've lost five in a row Right. There's an, there's an NL exec who says Casey will stay it until the end. They are for real. Is that Dayton Moore? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, without a doubt, they asked that. That was Kansas City. Yeah, and then another one says they are up and coming. Will pressure Chicago and Minnesota. An AL executive said, but ultimately they'll fall just short. So, okay. Yeah. Whatever you gotta. Um, whatever you gotta say to keep yourself alive. I I uh, I'm also I've also been enjoying the Royal streak, but as you said, they've lost five in a row. Um. And, now and I'm curious, what do you think here? I think they'll probably come in third place, maybe around 500. Here's my question, though. The, what if four? Yeah, well, I was gonna say, what if they come in third place more than 81 to 84 wins? Where do you? What do you? If you had to guess Royals' record end of the season right now, they're 16 and 14. They've lost five and rather three three and seven in their last 10, 14 and 16 with the run differential with the Pythag. What do you think they they finish at the end of the year? I I think they'll they'll have like 75 to 80 wins. 
Exactly. So you choose my not my choice. Yeah, something like that. I wasn't saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that's not what the executive said. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. All right. And then the last question. Who is the best team in baseball? I mean, how could you say anything but the Dodgers? Yes. 23 people said the Dodgers. Yes. Um, this is, I don't know. I don't like this. The answer to this question. One, one voter said the Padres. He's wrong. One voter very cheekily decided to dodge the question and said the Hanshin Tigers. Get out of here. Come on. We have a 29 record in in Japan Central. Yes. Right. Said AL executive said they're playing 690 baseball, so it has to be them. Uh, That's crazy. Um, The one executive that said that the the Padres said the Dodgers have the greatest collection of talent but are not the greatest team. The Padres might not have the better talent, but they are the better team. Their manager manages a good game and their team plays as a unit. What the fuck? Are, what is he talking about? He is yeah, I was, my, my response to that was get the fuck out of my face. What is he even talking about? Are you really going to say you're a better team because you have Jace Tingler? I mean, like in what world? Yeah, I don't understand. Maybe this is someone who does, dislikes Dave Roberts a lot and thinks that he Dave Roberts alone can take a team that is vastly talented than the Padres and make them make them worse than the Padres. And I don't believe in that. Uh, yeah, I think this is the obvious answer. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. And like Dave Roberts gets flack all the time, but like in what world is like the unexperienced Jay Stingler so much better than Dave Roberts that it makes them a better team than the Padres? It makes them a better team than the Dodgers. Yeah. Jay Stingler managed a game where he managed with such intensity. Yeah. Despite it being April that he ended up having Joe Musgrove in left field and Jay Cronenworth pitching in a tight game. So I don't know. Like this is... This is so silly. This is very silly. Of yeah, course, let's just say I mean they, they have grit. Uh, they have determination that I don't think the Dodgers have. Like, let's just make up. Let's just use those buzzwords to make them a better team. That is just somebody trying too hard to be different. What AL executive is saying this? You know, like I, I don't understand. Maybe it's maybe it's like so, someone on the A's or the Rays who who wants to believe this to be true but doesn't actually think it's true. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So those are the questions. I found it. I found it to be kind of. It's always fascinating to see what these GMs think. There's this kind of genre of of um, reporting that's done, especially in the off season. Those kind of uh, the Krasniks, as they were, um, where people people um, the the GMs kind of uh, talk about their the the, uh, the best moves and who who they think is the most overrated or or whatever. So it's always good to get a, get a sense of what what they're thinking. So yeah, exactly. I mean, they are the people who have the most influence on the game. And I always would rather be in their heads than not be in their heads. But at the end of the day, they are wrong about uh, that one guy. (laughs) Excuse me. That one guy is wrong about the Padres being better than the Dodgers. He's wrong. Yeah. I I think the main takeaway I took out of it was that a lot of them believe the Giants. And um, yeah, I think that is also what I'm going to be paying the most attention to from this is that there is some. uh, I mean, what was the exact question? What team or player surprises you the most? surprises you the most doesn't necessarily mean that there's belief there because it actually it means that there's more doubt there what i'm saying is that there was doubt because like you know the red sox have a better record yep than the giants right but i think a lot of people don't believe in the red sox that well much. if they didn't believe in the red sox i think that would make the red sox more surprising maybe maybe but the way i chose to interpret it Based on the the quotes as well that we got, me too. A lot of them are changing their perception of the Giants. Right. That's what I thought, but I don't know. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I think I, I think that is a good way of looking at it. All right, but that has been uh, episode twelve. 
of Eyewash, a baseball podcast. We will uh, be back either later this week. No, we'll be back next week with with, with some more uh, baseball content. How's that Let's sound? do it. Let's do it.